everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Swing Away Podcast. I'm Jenna Rose, joined by Donnie Dreyer of Total Sports and Brian Chittister of College Bound Jocks. Always love seeing you guys. Hey, really? Jenna. Hey. Feelings mutual. <laughs> yes, and very excited because we have another special edition where we have a coaches roundtable coming up later in the show. We have a mix of different coaches from different divisions and the NAIA level, so we're so excited to get to that. But until then... It was a crazy weekend. I know you guys have a lot to talk about. Brian, I know that you were out uh, you know, at some games. I was at uh, Softball Central, yeah. uh, both watching the college and getting all the updates on the, on the high schools. <laughs> yeah, it really was. I mean, when you look at uh, Dexter, who in the Division One upset Howell, uh, Sam Sutton pitched great all weekend, and they almost upset Heartland. In the in the district finals, ended up losing two to one in the in the last inning. So that was uh, that was definitely a a surprise to me. Um, I thought I don't know if this was an upset, but I thought it was going to be a great game between Novi and Mercy, and uh, top ten um, candidate Maggie Murphy hit a big home run in that game, which turned out to be the difference. Uh, Division two, we saw Otsego go with you know Kender Vanderluck, um, who by the way. Uh, broke the current home run record at 26 she's now has uh as 27 and we'll talk about kelly Havilland in a in a minute here uh but at siegel got beat we thought that she could go really far and um and uh the same thing with trenton trenton um got beat uh, in a tough game i think it was two to one in a district final and so three rivers lost and three rivers lost too so yeah a lot of our our the players that were in our top 10 teams got upended yeah we did and you know to mention that um at, uh, south lion east they lost to uh south lion but south lion's been on a roll and they Bradshaw's been pitching, pitching great. But Lauren Saborski finished up her career with 22 home runs, um, and uh, we 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 talked about it last week. But Grand Blank getting beat in the um, in the pre districts was yep. uh, was surprising too. So we literally had seven of our kids that were in the top ten that their teams lost. Lost. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, but that's that's high school softball. It's a yeah. one game elimination and you can be hot one week and cold the next week or you could just run into a buzzsaw where a team is just locked in. You run into a hot pitcher. Huh. Somebody hits a three run homer. That's high school softball. Yeah. That's what makes it so exciting. And it just shows that just having one great player doesn't always win the game. You know, you can have the Havlin or Vanderluck and man, these guys can be just hitting bombs all day but they can't win the game every game you know it's like the rest of the team's got to show up and help them out so with that we had some changes on the on the show and uh, so let's talk about those changes the show that we that we taped on Wednesday now is we're locking in our top 10 and then after the quarters we're going to announce the the final final four um, but we'll take these one at a time. Uh, Regan Bennett is coming off, and, and, and we've talked about her all year. She's one of the, the top prospects, I think not only in Michigan, but in the Midwest when you talk about power pitchers. Uh, the kid is only a, a sophomore, but uh, took a tough loss against, uh, against Mercy. And uh, so moving in to her spot is a freshman, Ava Bradshaw from South Line. And Ava... Uh, she's been on a watch list all year, but she's really building up momentum. Pre-districts and both games in districts, she has no earned runs. She's been just shutting them down. And uh, she also, through the course of the year, has by far seen the toughest schedule. I think we counted roughly 10 top 10 teams that she's faced, and she's still got a 19-4 and record. ERA just over one. 
got 266 strikeouts. So, and then she's we're going to have we're going to talk about some matchups, and she's going to be in a heavyweight mm-hmm. matchup uh, in the first game in regional. So that is good. Um, another person coming off, person coming off, Kendall Klokak, who's had again a great career, a great season. Um, the kid that uh, is committed, she's a senior committed to Purdue, and taking her spot is someone that we've highlighted on, on our podcast a number of times is the pitcher Macy Ireland, who's a sophomore from Owasso, uh, a Kent State commit. Uh, listen to these numbers, 206 innings, she's got 406 strikeouts, a record of 31-3, and three, ERA about .5. Uh, and batch third in their lineup. She's hitting over 400. And uh, by the way, uh, Ava Bradshaw also bats third in her lineup too. So both these kids that marched on to the top 10, they're very important in the offensive side and obviously uh, on the mound. So we're going to be excited to see uh, both of them. Owasa was also still in the tournament to see what they can do. Um, and then lastly, coming off, Lauren Saborski, um, who, again, had not only had a, a great career, but a great season. She ended up with 22 home runs, which is, uh, I believe, top five all time in the state of Michigan. South Lion East got beat by South Lion. She ended up hitting in the five, top 500, like 570, 580. But we're going to replace her with, again, a kid that we've highlighted many times on the podcast, been on a watch list all year, Jenna Blevins, from the senior from Flat Rock, uh, committed to Hartford. She's hitting 555. She's got 16 home runs, 68 RBIs. She's got an OPS over 1.7. So she's having a great season. And, of course, Flat Rock's still in it. And they're still playing. And they're still playing. So that's the key right there. She has a chance to uh, make it. So those are the... Those are the changes. And, Brian, when we look at this list now, um, Callie Heavelin's all done. Yep. But what does 29 home I, runs say to you? Yeah, I just – you got to look at this kid. And we talked earlier, I think she had 66 home runs in her career, and she got cut short a whole year. Yeah. It's insane what that kid has done. And uh, I don't, as far as, like, looking at what she's done, not only did she – Beat the record this year. She kind of shattered it with three, three more home runs. She's at twenty nine, right? Yep. Twenty nine yep. home runs, and she got knocked out in the district. I mean, if the poor kid could have got a couple more games uh, in the playoffs, who knows where she would have been? Yeah, and the other maybe a statistic to me that's even more impressive: she tied her own record of eighty eight runs scored. Eighty eight runs. And uh, that just, it just take that. I mean, if, if a school's playing, I don't know, 30, 35 games, whatever their number is, 88 runs. That's, that's, that tells you how many times she got walked, too. Yeah. She, she has to have her on-base percentage. What has got to be off the charts. Well, I'm pretty confident she knocked herself in 29 times. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. You know? um, she's She's got to be a strong candidate uh, for the committee to look at the yeah. Final Four and potentially winning it with those... Uh, with those numbers and then you know as we're looking at these players and as we're looking at the upcoming regionals you got Rachel Everett which continues she had a great district right she had very tough district and she won but she's going to be going up against South Lion and Ava Bradshaw yeah Ava Bradshaw and uh, that's going to say a lot I think in the committee's eyes to um, one of those potentially getting to the freshman versus the senior boy, I'll tell you, that's yeah, a, it's going to be a big story. It, it is, and uh, you know, Maggie Murphy's not out of this. I mean, her numbers are not as gaudy. She's hitting, uh, I think, around 470 with 14 home runs. Uh, but big game performances 
are huge. And, you know, the home run that she hit off Bennett was, you know, a, a statement thing. And those are some of the things we look for. Yeah, she's an outside runner. She's going to be in the top four with her votes. There's no doubt about that. Um, but she's she's come back on, on the radar a yeah. little bit, and we'll see what Mercy can do. Uh, this weekend, yeah. and they're going to be going up uh, probably. Well, they're going to see Wald Lake Northern, I believe, in the first regional game, and I think the winner of that has a, has a decent chance of getting to the to the quarters. Um, Megan Nectarline, you know, has been in our top ten. She hasn't had the innings or the strikeouts. She does have the ERA where she's around point five, but uh, Dakota, I mean, they they're going they're going to face Anchor Bay. And, uh, I mean, if she goes through Anchor Bay and then she takes her team to the semis. If I'm uh, not mistaken, they lost. Dakota lost Anchor Bay earlier this year, right? So this Early early in yeah, the season. But still. And then I – three to one. Yeah, and then I, I thought they played after as well. Maybe not. Maybe not. But I they did beat uh, – they beat Megan early. So, and Anchor Bay is a heck of a team. They Either are. one of those teams I think has a, has a decent shot of getting to the semis or maybe even the, uh, the finals. Um, Ellie Sealer, as of this, uh, the taping of this, we do not have the final numbers, but I believe her last game she went five for five, so she had to be pushing 700. But if, in fact, she did hit 700, there's only been six kids in the history of Michigan that that, that has done that, and uh, that could warrant uh, being in a Final Four. So we're still looking at her. Kendra Vanderluck, as we mentioned, finished with 27 home runs. Her team, unfortunately, is out. And seeing kind of the same competition, uh, Brian, as uh, Hevelin did, I, I think Hevelin probably is uh, a little bit ahead of her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. she's yeah, got she's, more home runs. She's, yeah, and, she and she's Hevelin's hitting in the 600s, and uh, Vanderlux, you know, she's just in the 500s, you know, that's all. <laughs> well, and Hevelin uh, was saying they, her last at-bat was a home run. I mean, Well, they pitched to her. They, they finally, yeah, they, they weren't <laughs> pitching to her earlier in the game, and they finally uh, threw to her, and uh, and she made a statement there. Yeah, yes, she did. And uh, Avery Wolverton, who's also on our, our top ten, um, you know, she she pitched a great game. I mean, I think it was 200 runs that she gave up against uh, Dexter. Had a great season. I, I think I'm not positive, but I heard that the, she was nursing a little bit of an injury, so she yeah. may have not been a 100. percent Yeah, 100. Yeah. percent I think it affected maybe her hitting a little bit, but she's still in our top ten and had a just Pretty a great season. Year. You know, as we look now into this weekend. Um, you know, we, we uh, talked about South Lion and Heartland. If if they they're going to meet, they're going to meet the first game of regionals. There's a high likelihood that the winner of that's going to go to the quarters. Although I've been jinxing teams here for the past <laughs> two weeks, so. Um, but you see that, and I kind of looking ahead and trying to project. Um, in one of the other qu- uh, quarters, I see uh, Allen Park potentially seeing uh, facing Regina. And then, um, you know, the winner of Mercy Wall Lake Northern could very likely see the winner of Dakota Anchor Bay. So we've got, you know, we've got some great stuff there. And then, you know, looking at Macy Ireland, she could see Lakeshore in the quarters and possibly Escanaba in the semis. So she's going to have some opportunities to... Um, really make, move ahead, yeah. To make a statement. Yeah. And 400 strikeouts is a lot of strikeouts. We saw them earlier in the year at the total uh, tournament, and they're they're a good, solid team. I don't think they're the same team uh, with... with, with uh, <laughs> Without Gabby Salo, without yeah. Gabby yeah, Salo, yeah. But they've, they've got good pitching, they got good defense, and they, and they swing it. So uh, we'll see where that uh, 
goes. But that Jenna, that's what we got going on. We got another exciting weekend coming up, and now our top ten is frozen, and it won't be long before we announce the final four and the and the final winner and the winner. Yeah. Yeah, Donnie. I mean, you said you had what five cups of coffee heading into the studio today. <laughs> How many are you going to need to get through this weekend? Yeah, yeah. I need my coffee in the morning. <laughs> right. Well, this is definitely a jam-packed episode for sure, with the top ten being frozen. Again, we're going to be looking forward into the week, and we also have the coaches' roundtable coming up later in the show. So before we get to it, State Champs Michigan's Swing Away podcast is presented by Lawrence Technological University. Recruit yourself to one of two dozen varsity-level sports, including softball, at Lawrence Tech. Simply log on to ltuathletics.com and click the Recruit Yourself link. Swing Away is also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. The MHSAA needs officials. Go to mhsaa.com. Great part-time pay. Stay connected to the game and support the kids and give back. Help wanted? Just whistle. Go to mhsaa.com slash officials. The pros at the Detroit Medical Center's Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine. Check out our Game Changer segments with helpful injury prevention and recovery tips. Find them on our State Champs YouTube page or on our website statechampsnetwork.com or on the State Champs Michigan social media channels. And for immediate access to care, go to dmc.org slash gamechangers. And the Detroit Athletic Club Foundation's Male and Female High School Athlete of the Year Awards. The state's elite athletes will be honored with a red carpet gala on Monday, June 14th at the Incredible DAC in downtown Detroit. This year's nominees have been announced, so for more information, head over to DACAthleteoftheyear.com. Time for another party here on the Swing Away Podcast. Another special edition. We have another coaches panel, and we have representatives from Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and the NAIA. Huge thank you to everyone for joining us today. On this panel from Division One is head coach McCall Salmon from Central Michigan. From D2 at Grand Valley State University is the head coach Dana Callahan. From D3 at Alma College is head coach Denny Griffin. And representing the NAIA is head coach Tim Bailey from Clear. University. Again, everyone, thank you for joining us today. It was really special when we did the previous episode because it gave our listeners that insight that they needed to help further and move forward in their collegiate career. And we're excited to have you all on to expand on what's going on in your division and with your specific programs. So for the first question, I'd like to ask this to everyone, um, just to give us a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be a student athlete in your program going to your school. So head coach Tim Bailey, can you give us a start at what it's like at Cleary University playing softball? Pretty much, uh, they they once they get here, they will be they will be doing something every all year long. Um, we we have rules in the NAI. We can only have contact with our athletes so many weeks during the course of a year, uh, but that does not include workouts. So what we do in the fall is we'll have a short fall season, uh, use up some of those weeks, then we go into uh, kind of what we call our off season, and that's where the athletes are on their own, doing thing, you know, doing work on their own, but they can, they are working with our trainers during that. Uh, that's an organized that they do that constantly. They go home for, uh, they go home for break at their Christmas time. When they get back, uh, our season starts. And we have it figured out so that our weeks will take us right up to the um, to actual, to our WAC tournament. So, so they're, they're pretty much doing stuff every day. Uh, they're either working out, having practice, uh, going to school, very time consuming. So, Tim, for the, the athletes that don't know, like, what do the trainers do with those athletes when they're working with them? 
Well, we actually have we have uh, uh, we have three trainers here, and then we actually have a strength and conditioning trainer that comes in, um, and the, he works with them for two hours a week. What we do is in the fall, uh, the first week they're here, we have no practice at all. They just they literally are with the trainer the whole week, and he's checking. You know, he's keeping monitoring and making sure that they're ready to go, stretch properly, um, and ready to actually start practice that next week. Uh, then during that during that fall season, uh, they're with our trainer three days a week for two hours, and they pretty much specifically just work on strength and uh, and conditioning, speed and agility stuff. Uh, once we break from the softball, once our softball uh, fall stops, then they put the weights on. So they spend that time in between season getting them built up. And then right before season, they, they, they fall back and start doing some more speed and agility type stuff and getting them ready for the season. During the season, with our practices being so busy, we normally only meet with our trainer once a week. And how about you, Coach Griffin from Alma College? Well, it's a little bit different than NAI world, but uh, in Division Three, prior to COVID, we had 19 weeks of contact with our kids. Uh, during this COVID period, they went to the 114-day rule, which we really liked as a coaching staff and even many of my colleagues like the 114. So we're hoping that Division Three keeps that. There's some rumors that we're going back to the 19-week rule. So this past fall, you know, we could do what we had. We did uh, five weeks in the fall. We went every day and we have a two-hour practice and at the same time we do have a full-time strength coach that we expect to work in so we work with their strength time and with our practice time so it worked out really well and then after those those five weeks it really kind of went to the first part of october and then we uh, went to uh, one day a week for a couple of weeks and then the first part of november we, we let them go um, and then they went home early uh, just before thanksgiving well, but currently, primarily, it's a two-hour practice, and then they do have a lift time uh, as a team. I know this fall they're going back to our team times, which is outstanding. Um, and then in the fall, we are in the winter time. We start back uh, about three weeks in. We come back usually the second week of January, and then I back it up. Uh, with, if we have 15 weeks, I go f uh, four weeks from our spring break, and then we start practicing. Um, from there. So, you know, they got classes and we got two hour practice and then they got some time to, to lift as well. So, I always tell them about a three hour time period during the season and then the fall ball. And then when we're done with fall ball, you know, it's there, they're in their lift time for an hour, uh, three days a week. So, it's a little bit different than the NAI world because I'm not allowed to have that much contact like I think Division One and Division Two does. So, Denny, is there any restrictions as to what athletes are allowed to take academically that would, you know, interfere with their softball? No, I, I tell my kids to take a full load. I mean, it really is depending on what their major is. Uh, our kids are taking all the classes that they need to get out of here in, in their five, in their four years now. Our elementary education and education in general is kind of a challenge uh that type of stuff as far as they might need that um, extra term to do their student teaching if you're an elementary education major and special ed major you might, you might even be your whole year because you have two two student teaching -ish, uh, semesters that you have to deal with but no they're taking a full load um and we kind of work around those, those academics i mean we, we have we have a nice time slot of where from 4.20 to 7, there are no classes. And so we know, and so we can practice, start at practice at 4, and those kids that might have a lab to 4.20 or something, they, they basically run out, but there's only a couple of those every day that we have to deal with. So uh, but that's how we do it here at Elma. 
Yeah, that definitely does sound like a good time slider later in the yeah, day. I'm thinking sure. early mornings back <laughs> when I was no, playing. We're, we're not doing those 6 a.m. stuff, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I think Dana's smiling there because I think she does. That's when they work out or something like that. So it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, well, tell us about it, Coach Callahan. What's in store for your athletes? Um, well, we're, we're similar to um, uh, the D1 program, uh, some differences. We have so many hours per week that we're allowed to work with our athletes in the fall. Um, and then again, in the in the winter and the season. So in the fall, we're allowed 15 hours per week. And that includes all of our practice time, anything that's considered uh, athletic related. So um, any weight training, any meetings that we have, any uh, anything that's countable athletic related activities, we have 15 hours per week in the fall. And so we'll use that time. Um, we'll have full practices. We'll be able to play games in the fall. And that'll carry us through early October until the weather uh, dictates that we head indoors. Uh, once we go inside, um, then we're reduced down to eight hours per week. Uh, for any skill training, we're, we're limited on hours on that. But as far as our weight training, strength training, and any meetings, things like that. So we do get to work with our athletes uh, in you know a pitching, hitting, actual skill type mode for a few hours hours each week and so we break that down but the rest of it is spent in strength training and uh, conditioning type activities and then uh, in January we get back we're back to 20 hours per week uh, for full practices and any of our weight training activities uh, before we head into season um, and that'll that our season will hopefully end at the end of May. And then um, looking at your program specifically are there any requirements for study table hours? You know, every, every program is different here at Grand Valley. We don't have a university program or requirement for study hours per week, but a lot of coaches do require that. We do not uh, from a softball uh, perspective. Um, you know, I when I was a student athlete, we did. We had to do so many hours per week and sign in, and, you know, you were in a certain location. Um, our, our athletes have study table uh, available to them where tutors are available and things like that if they choose to go but it's not something we mandate simply because we felt that uh, everybody has different study habits. Some, some people prefer to just go to a library where it's quiet. And when my athletes get together, studying is not necessarily their, um, you know, it's priority. <laughs> so um, <laughs> if they need to be by themselves, they, they don't need to be in a room with, with uh, 20 of their teammates because then the work's not getting done. So we kind of leave that up to our, our student athletes. And that's where recruiting uh, academics comes into play. Uh, those that we recruit, we know are dedicated to their academics and, uh, you know, they're going to get done what they need to get done from a study standpoint. Well, at least you know that's what would be going on <laughs> when they're getting together for the study we tables. We hope so, anyway. <laughs> right. And then how about you, Coach Salmon from Central Michigan? Well, our season will kick off. We kind of divide it into championship and non-championship segments um, and have specific hour requirements that were allowed throughout the fall winter and spring season. So um, we'll, we'll get started with our fall season after Labor Day um, once everyone gets back onto campus and um, we get 20 hours a week with them um, within a 45 day period. And after that, that's when we'll have our, our team practices and kind of get a feel of where we're at with our new our returners and our new kids. Um, we're allowed to have scrimmages. I know last year we weren't 
based off COVID, but that's one thing I know our returners are really looking forward to playing other teams this fall and not just ourselves consistently. So that usually takes us into mid-October. And after that, we'll shift gears into our eight hour segment with within those eight hours we get four hours with them a week and they get two days off during that week like dana mentioned weather really dictates how we handle that and what we do we'll evaluate their their fall performances and then work in individual um, times whether it's hitting pitching defense um, whatever specifically we want to work on with them they'll have designated individual times and if we do get a nice day sometimes i'll shift a week into you know hey we can do a two-hour team practice this week um, because the weather is going to allow us to do that so just kind of switch us switch things up during that eight hour time period so that takes us up until um, winter break but along with our practice schedule we go in the afternoons so our wait time is in alignment with our our practice time uh, things change year to year too based on facility availability but if if they're missing weights based off class that's when they they attend the 6 a.m weight training times so they're still still getting their lifts in but just might have to do it at a different time than overall within the team but we usually tell them to keep the one to five block open and not schedule classes during that time which you know, you're, you are going to have some days um, where kids are going to miss and, and we encourage that in the fall because we can make up various times compared to, you know, in the in the winter time when we don't have as much availability because we're locked into designated indoor space time with their class schedules. So once we get back in January, it's 20 hours again, one day off during the week, and we maintain that one to five time frame where you know that's our that's our lifting time um, and and our practice time within that. Season starts mid February, and then we'll take us through through May. Um, hopefully, you know, early June if if things align correctly. <laughs> so, uh, but that's kind of a quick quick rundown of what it's like on our campus. We do have study table requirements. Um, we do have an academic center on campus where this past year they did it all virtually so they could sit in their rooms and log into study tables but um, they also have a check-in system where they walk in and, and that's kind of overseen by our staff and kind of where you're at academically all freshmen are required to do six hours when they come in and then we modify those hours based off of performance um, GPA wise semester to semester Coaches, next question. Um, and by the way, I, I want to say uh, to all of you, we really appreciate you coming in on, on short notice. Uh, I'm sure you know how important it is to the kids and the parents. They're just so excited that we're coming out of this pandemic and that they're actually going to see college coaches. Uh, so we really appreciate your, your dedication to the kids in our state and uh, coming out here and doing this. Um, we're going to go in a little bit different order this time. Dana, I'm going to start out with you and then McCall. Tim and then Danny but uh, the next question will kind of put it together prospective student athletes contact rules for them and then what is the best way that you want these prospective student athletes to reach out to you Dana um, let's yeah. let's start with you what's it what's it what's the what's the rules and what do you like to see at the D2 level okay we were allowed to get back out recruiting in september of last fall so we did get out in the fall and i uh, was able to get out and see some games and so we did not have the dead period that uh, um, a lot of student athletes believe is still in place or just lifting um, did you have so, any school, did you have any school restrictions we did not okay. we did not so we were allowed to travel out of state 
uh, the log uh, where we went when we returned all that kind of stuff we have a daily assessment that we had to do but uh, it really did not affect our, our travel at all so um, so yeah we've been out since September um, you know and then of course when our season it's hard to get out but we are planning to get out this weekend uh, full force and uh, you know get back on the trail and, and I don't foresee ours being any different um, you know than normal years um, our contact rules we can start contacting um, PSAs uh, directly uh, June 15th prior to their junior year. So, um, you know, for that 23 class, that'll be coming up here next week. So we can actually then uh, have direct contact via phone or email and, and things like that. Um, prior to that, uh, you know, student athletes can email us and um, we just can't respond back they can always call our office and leave a message if, if that works for them but we just can't always respond back to that uh, we can send camp information questionnaires things like that earlier um, but as far as that direct contact and initiating a recruiting process in june 15th prior to the junior years that our magic date awesome McCall at the Division One level, contact rules and, you know, if a prospective student-athlete wants to reach out to you, wants to get on your radar, what are some good things that you guys like at CMU? You know, one thing I just want to reiterate is uh, consistent communication is the best communication from any PSA. You know, someone that is consistently, whether it's email, social media, phone calls, anything of that, anyone that's consistent is someone that uh, names that are gonna keep resonating with us and we're gonna dig dig in a little bit more with them and see where they're at. So um, as far as how we prefer to be communicated with, it's really, we're, we're gonna go wherever they're at. So if, if it's uh, social media, they wanna reach out to us there and just you know provide contact information. But I think anytime you're communicating is, is good communication. So we do have the September one rule in effect uh, for Junior, so junior year, September 1 is when we can contact you and you can contact us with response. So up until that point, we can't do anything um, from a, a social media standpoint, it's click, don't type. So those 20, 2024s, 2023s, if you are tagging us on social media, we can like your post. Um, we just cannot respond to the post. So um, those are things that you know we're keeping an eye on. And I know um, a lot of our PSAs are, are really good at that. So non-COVID year, we would still be in a dead period currently until the College World Series ends. And then um, our dead period would be lifted and, and we get to go into our evaluation period throughout the summer. So um, not being able to be off campus, um, have official or unofficial um, visits on campus in, in over a year and a half. I know for us and every Division One coach, I think is in the same boat of just the excitement of getting to interact with our with potential student athletes. And then um, as far as campus restrictions, having camps allowed back on campus at, you know, a limited and, you know, student athlete participant capacity is something that we're excited about too. So our, our camps will begin here June 21, 22. Click, don't type. I love that. Keeps, keeps you out of trouble. That's right. Uh, That's yeah. Great. Tim, Tim, what's it? Uh, what what should PSAs? When can PSAs contact you? Um, and um, what should they be doing to reach out to to get your interest at Cleary? Um, well, as far as our contact rules go, we had uh, we cannot uh, talk to anybody that's not in high school. Basically, uh, we don't have dead periods. We don't. Uh, there's not some of that kind of thing as far as 
as far as us getting out and uh, recruiting, uh, we're following pretty much the same as everybody else. We'll be out all summer long, and uh, we do have our campuses open now. We have uh, you know, we can schedule uh, campus visits, uh, official or non-official. We can do both. And the best way uh, currently for you know, I, and it was you know during COVID it was a little different, but uh, the best way is to you know email me. And uh, for all PSAs are listening, you know, it's a, the emails I get. I get emails every day and the emails I get that I really pay attention to and look at the videos and do some of the stuff they send along with it is when the body of their email, I can tell that they've actually done some research of Clary University. It's not I mean, we're a small business college and I don't know how many times I get an email that says, hey, we're really interested in your nursing program. And then I have to have to run over to admissions office and find out if we actually started a nursing program because they didn't tell me so. <laughs> i didn't get the memo <laughs> yeah so I'm like, okay i guess we started a nursing program this week but uh but i mean you know that's that's the kind of thing that um uh that i notice is when they actually are there you know they've actually done some research and they you know and then you can you can you can see that in the email uh and then I'll contact them back. I'll find out where they're playing. It's kind of like McCall said. It's you know we'll go where they're at. You know, for somebody we're really interested in, we'll go watch them play, and uh, we'll make that effort. And you know, and then, and then of course we try to get them on campus for a visit and uh, go from there. Now that that's great advice for you guys to be able to feel that they've done some homework, that they're passionate about going to your school for whatever the reasons are, uh, is really important. And it's something that I know, Brian, you're teaching all the time um, to your kids is that, um, you know, you've got to show that you have a real strong interest in it. It just can't be a blanket email that you're hoping you're going to get some attention to. Yeah. Um, Denny, what's what's it like with you guys at Alma? Well, we have a little little less rules, I guess you like to say. We, uh, in Division Three, are allowed to have personal contact with kids once they've completed their sophomore year. And so we can go uh, maybe start a little bit earlier than some of our other colleagues. Uh, last year with COVID, we had no restrictions as far as going anywhere. So I basically lived in the Toledo area early on because all, all the state of Michigan kids were came for headed that way. So um, nationally, it's opening up now, and I'm glad to see that Division One is, is allowed to get out, and I did see some Division Two. So it was kind of funny because those early tournaments where you're looking for those little flyers, you know, information about the teams, and I asked a few coaches, where are they? They go, well, we didn't think you guys were allowed to come out. And I thought to myself, and what am I, chop, chop liver or something? But, you know, the players out, you know, Cornerstone's out, and those guys, the D3s are out. So, But uh, like my colleagues have said, we'll go anywhere. I think the best way is, is through email. We have an online questionnaire on at, at Alma site that they can fill out, and that gives me some, some great data and information that we can get. Um, but I think they have to be careful with what type of email they do. I think I received an email, hey, Coach Dana, I'm interested in your institution. <laughs> uh, I've got a good. few for you, too. <laughs> well, that's for Grand Valley, but uh, here it is, Dana. This, one, this one's for you, not for me. So uh, <laughs> I think all those PSAs that are looking, really do your research. Make sure your email is uh, tailored to that institution and that coach that you're looking for. I think that's big. And the consistency, what Salman was saying, uh, yeah, we look at those as well. I mean, we get emails every day from all, all the websites that are out there. Um, and so it's important to make sure your information is, is good and that you've done some research 
Um, and that email address is uh, not hotchick.com or something like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> we had one pink pants. Pink pants. <laughs> pink pants. Yep. We actually recruited her. <laughs> uh, she's brave enough to have an email like that, I guess. But, so. well, but I'll go anywhere and we'll go all the way up to, down, up to Colorado if we have to, if, if we get the kids if we, if we can. And, uh, but last year, we really didn't have too many restrictions. I couldn't really go too far out of the, the Great Lakes area. Outside of that, I was I was free, free to roam, get in a car, and, and just, you know, wear a mask and, and be safe. So that was... That's pretty much what Division Three does. So just to be clear, did you say you have to wait until after their sophomore year for Division Three? Yeah, the sophomore year, the beginning of their junior year, we can start start talking to kids in, in directly. I mean, if they email me and they want to come to camps, I mean, you're talking about contact. Camps are the best way to do it because now that's open to anybody and everybody. You can, you can have conversations with those kids while they're at camp. If you don't mind, I'd like to mention one thing about the emails also. And I'm sure all the coaches will agree with me uh, with this is like, if you know, if, if I've received an email or I've seen you someplace and I email you, you know, answer me. You know, I mean, we're a small school, we're a business college, we're not for everybody. If, if you're not interested, that's guy, you're not gonna hurt my feelings, but answer me. You know, if we email you, answer it and say, hey coach, I looked at your school, I'm not interested. Fine, it's great, perfect. But not answering is, I don't know, I got it. It's just, it's just not, it's not very professional, so answer those emails even if it's a no that's good information yeah that's just that's just being professional and being courteous hey uh, denny you mentioned camps maybe we'll go around um my experience over the years and we always tell our kids you know if you're really interested in school you you've got to get to their camps that's where you get a chance to really see them they get a chance to get to know you um how are your camps looking are you guys doing camps this summer and would you agree that that's a, a real good way for for kids to see if the, your school is a good fit for them why don't uh, mccall why don't we start with you yeah i think um from a camp standpoint, one, you're getting on their campus, you're seeing their facilities, um, get the opportunity to walk around before, after camp as well. Uh, you get to work directly with the coaching staff, meet current players. I think getting a, a feel of the current players that are there and you have the opportunity to ask them those more in-depth questions that you may not get from you know going to a showcase camp and then just getting a feel for how us as a staff interacts with our current players. We interact with our PSAs um, and kind of the things that we do within our program. And I think just also getting the opportunity to talk and communicate a little bit more with each uh, PSA too. I know one thing at our prospect camp, I, I do my best is afterwards, I'll make time, whether it's an hour, two hours too. If you wanna come in and talk with me, um, I will I will make myself available to to talk with you and um, you know whether it's five minutes ten minutes um, whatever I can do but just getting that opportunity to have a PSA respond to how we may direct them in a certain way how they handle their coachability and just getting opportunity to see our kids um, and the, the current kids that we have. So, um, like I said, we have our camps the 21st and the 22nd of June, and then we have a youth camp in July, July 12th, and then July 13th is our first prospect camp. We only have five spots left in that camp, and then we'll be opening up our August prospect camp the end of July. So, so kids, get out there. Sign up. <laughs> Dana, um, are you guys allowed to have kids on campus? Are you doing camps this summer? 
We are, and uh, we've got four uh, prospect day camps that we run. Uh, I believe those are full already we have a wait list um, we've got a youth camp that we're trying to get off the ground this year um, I believe is in July and that one we need uh, participants yet so if any of the younger players are are interested our website would have information on that um, and then we run team camps in the in the winter and in January we run um, more skills type camps so um, so yeah, I mean, as McCall said, those camps are a great way for us to uh, get an idea of future uh, prospects, uh, especially the younger players and things like that, people that we may want to follow up with um, in the future. And uh, you know, it just kind of catches our attentions on things. It's, it's a great way for them to come and see our facilities and come to see how our coaching staff operates and how our players talk about the program and, and you know what they like to do. What it's like to even an athlete coming from the student athlete themselves because it's not for everybody and you know there has to be a certain amount of passion and commitment uh, for them to enjoy it you know if they see uh, a student athlete and, and you know the the daily grind that they go through and they still love the game then uh, that's going to be um, you know some information for them to make that decision so it definitely is a, a great way to get in footages and to see the facilities and how we interact with players Yep. Den Denny, you allowed to have people on campus, and are you doing camps this summer? Yeah, we are, we, we're starting to allow, I think July 1, we'll have uh, some more openings, but uh, there are some stipulations that we have to follow, follow through at the moment, so I'm looking at doing something later in July. Uh, we also have our camp, always have a fall camp in September, and then we always have a, a camp in winter uh, for our PSAs. And you know, I agree with my colleagues. I mean, it's a great way to get on campus and to look at them and to get that one-on-one and see how they interact uh, with the coaches staff and, and with, with your players. And the good part is one part that we do with our with our fall camp especially is there's a section where each group, we break them into teams and then each group, you know, we have four or five players that they go and just talk for about 45 minutes. What's it like, like at Elma College? And so they get an idea of what college life, uh, life is like and what it's specifically about Elma College. So. I think that's that, that's great. So camps yeah. are the way to go. There's a lot of there's a lot of combine camps out there that you can pay a lot of money for. That you know, okay, come here and exposure camp. I question whether or not it's a real good exposure camp because you always have to look at how many coaches are really there looking at you. Yeah, I totally agree so. with you. You get to get the schools you like, and you can't you can't visit every school, but get the ones that are high on your list yeah. and, and get to their individual camps. That's really the to me, it's a bang of the buck for you guys, and it is for the the, the student athlete as well. Tim? Uh, yeah, we actually, uh, we do a little different. We're, in, we're, in, we're gonna have a youth camp uh, in August and, uh, and we do our prospect camp a little different. Uh, we'll have it in the fall. And what we do is we, it's an invitation only basically. And we will only invite the people that we are seriously recruiting or the people that have committed and are coming. And so what we do at that camp is, is uh, we bring our entire team out and we have the, the prospects, you know, that we're invited, they come and they basically, we, we do a practice. We run through a practice, they see what it's like. And then we have time after to uh, go around campus and talk to our admissions people. There's a lot of different things they can do. And there's just, there's so many camps out there right now. There's, you know, there's, you know, the, the skills camps that tons of people sign up for. and. And I can't compete with McCall. I mean, you know, good Lord. But, uh, <laughs> but we, there's so many games. But, you know, but that, that seems to work for us. And uh, so that's kind of that's kind of how we handle the camps. Awesome. Can I say one thing? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, 
I know I really appreciate what you're doing with your organization, putting together uh, a combine with the kids that you have, um, you know, during the week, because so many of these organizations, um, we're all in Michigan, right? So yeah. and no one's playing in Michigan. And with our, our budget restrictions and COVID restrictions that we've been given, I just really appreciate that, you know, I can go within a, you know, two, three hour distance and, and watch all of your kids at one time and, and get a good feel of them in a practice setting. So I like that setup. And so I just wanted to say that I appreciate that and that that helps our budget a lot. So. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I I'd said this earlier, and you can hold me to it. You know, we feel like you guys are constantly traveling the country chasing our kids. It's our time to try and help you. So if you want to reach out to us and you're we're able to rent your field and bring in a few teams and do a round robin, we talked about during the pandemic, once it was over, that we would do that. Whether it's during the week, we could get a few other organizations and actually come to your site invite other coaches uh, but we do want to give back and we recognize that and uh, we're ready to step up and, and come to your place if uh, if we need to so you can look at our our kids so I appreciate that thanks so on the, real quick on the uh, just on the note of trying to get to see these kids can you guys speak I mean we can start with you McCall but um, how important is it for you to like when you're putting your list together the kids you want to go see this summer how important is it for you to see video on these kids before you make all those trips and those plans I think that's very important that's we we've been watching video for the last year you know and and that's kind of what we're working off of so we've got to have a basis and like i said from a from a budget standpoint we have to be very specific if we're going someplace we've got to have a, a list of a, a good amount of kids that we want to watch because we got to get the most bang for our buck that weekend you know um and in order for us to get that list it's kids that are emailing us and they have a video attached to their email um they have videos within their sports recruits files or on their cbj um, profiles that we can look through and it's not just a highlight video i think in-game footage is great as well so the more video the better and we live in an age where the video is so accessible that there's no reason for them not to have something attached that we can at least click on and, and get a gauge right away of you know what what they could provide our university so dana yeah, I would add the video is, is important as well. Uh, the other thing I would add would be the academic piece um, as far as, you know, GPA, test scores, if they have it from that standpoint, because, I mean, just the academic requirements that every school has is different. And so um, if, if, you know, their GPA doesn't meet the requirements, that that school has, you know, and every school different. So um, that's something that that coaches, are, you know, have to look at as well, uh, especially the schools that are able to offer scholarships or those that are not able to offer scholarships. The academic money and the financial aid that comes from the academic side is definitely, um, you know, a big part of the package. So. Um, Video is, is extremely important just to give us an idea if they're capable of playing it at our level, but the academic side is, is another big piece to it as well. Danny? Yeah, I agree you know, with my two colleagues. They, you know, the academics, it's through the video. The more we see them, the better, especially with the, with the amount of time that we spend on the road and out watching. We like to get at least a base of what, what the kids can do. So, you know, cell phones are pretty easily accessible these days and, you know, athletelive.com, whatever, you know, they're, they're out there too. So get as much video as you can and 
Uh, yeah, and just make sure your academic information is is correct. That's that's the biggest fear that I have. <laughs> yes. think, thinking again, be honest. A, is, is, as a three point two, it turns out to be a two point two. I mean, that that that's huge. And you know, you think she's going to get in, and all of a sudden now she can't. And like, sorry, thanks for knowing you, and, and away she goes. So it does happen. Tim, what's your thoughts? Um, I think you know, I, videos are great. Um, but I think it's important that everyone understands that it's a good video. Uh, you know, I want to see clips of you. I, I got I got one last week that was like a game. It was an entire game. And they said, Mom, number 13. And I'm like, I'm not watching this whole game to watch 13. Watch, you know, I'm not going to do that. So make sure that it, they're short. They show you what you need to see. And, um, you know, that's the dude. I know who I'm looking at. I'm not trying to pick somebody out of a game. So. But no, videos are great, and that's you know it gets that gets the um, that's the first first real look you get, and then um, and then then we can get out and see them. Perfect, thank you. Awesome, Jenna. Yeah, well, coaches, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Not only do we want to highlight student athletes in Michigan, we also want to be a resource for them. So for you guys to take the time, talk about your programs, highlight what's important for them to go to the next level, we can't thank you enough. Oh, and I did want to say, before we get off, congratulations to Grand Valley State and Dana for going to the College World Series again. And she thank has you. just been killing it up there for a lot of years. So, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. One of these days we're going to bring it home. So... <laughs> 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 thank you guys very much we're just really 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 appreciative of it thank you you're welcome thank you you're welcome. thanks, thanks you for having us you guys All right. thanks for having us thank, thank you, you. Thank you.